Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Father God, we gather around the name of Jesus. We gather in the name of Jesus. And we gather because of the name of Jesus. We gather because of what he has done in obedience to you and for us. We thank you that as we get around this table that you have prepared for us, that the Holy Spirit is the great teacher that causes words to, to make sense and to have understanding and for us to be able to do the word so that we're blessed in our doing and a blessing to others because of our doing the word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. All right, well, we're going to get on into the word uh, of God today. Um, A couple weeks ago, I had on my heart um, and been stirring around for a little while about um, serious weapons, actually the blood of Jesus in particular and specifically, uh, talking about the blood of Jesus. We obviously have songs about the blood of Jesus and many songs about the blood of Jesus, but why? Why is it that we sing so much about the blood of Jesus? Why do we refer to that so much? And so, A couple weeks ago, then we looked into the fact as some things about what the Bible has to say about the blood of Jesus. And, of course, it's a massive subject. And uh, it didn't just start in the story of Jesus. It started all the way in the beginning. And so um, we we, uh, looked into some things about the, the blood of Jesus being a serious weapon. And so sometimes when we sing about the, the blood of Jesus and, and cleansing our sins and all, um, uh, this aspect of the blood of Jesus is, is not just necessarily uh, looked at. So we were looking at this in light of the Word of God. And so I didn't get done with the notes from a couple Sundays ago, and I just felt in my heart there was uh, more that he wanted to bring along this line to go ahead with with um, what we had from those notes, and then uh, we're going to look into it again, and so if you brought your Bibles, you can look into them, but of course, we put the scriptures up, and as well, uh, in the w- on the website, if you want to ever go back and listen to something, there are po- podcasts there for you to go back into, and with those podcasts, there is often notes and in the notes you can find things that we weren't able to nest we can't get to everything and uh, certainly on these subjects it takes um, there there'd be no way we could exhaust the subject in in um, a thousand Sundays because there these truths are eternal and they just keep on growing and growing and growing so but we're going to look at it today and so if we can go to the scripture, the same scripture we started with a couple Sundays ago that identify weapons. Um, and so let's look at Second Corinthians 10 and verse 3. It says, for although we live in the natural realm, 
we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which, peop which people hide. Let's look at the next verse. It says, we can demolish, as a result of these spiritual weapons, every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry. And that's as much of that verse as we will read. But it is interesting to me that the Bible says we don't use natural weapons, but then it says that there are weapons. So you don't need weapons if there is not an enemy to use them again. You don't, you don't need a weapon uh, when you're playing tennis. You just need a tennis racket, but the racket is not a weapon. It's just a part of a sport. And there is an opponent, yes, but you're not there to kill him. You're just there to, to hit around a ball. So when the Bible says that we have been given weapons, then that we can ac actually know that there is an enemy that requires and necessitates a weapon. So what are these weapons? And so we identified some of them. Uh, the believer's arsenal, which we um, have looked last week and then looking again this week, is a collection or supply of weapons or munitions. That's what arsenal means. And we looked at the fact that the name of Jesus is a weapon. The word, and Tony talked about uh, the word last week as being a weapon. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, which we know from Zechariah, destroys yokes of bondage. The gifts of the Spirit, uh, magnificent weapons. The blood or the, the fruit of the Spirit, which are secret weapons. And, um, and we've talked about the fruit of the Spirit being secret weapons in uh, past um, Sundays. And you could find that perhaps on the uh, podcast. The blood of Jesus, we, we started talking about a couple weeks ago. The blood of Jesus is a weapon, and at the end of that message, we ended with five important steps to activate the blood, and, um, and so we're going to pick up with those five ways of activating the blood as a weapon. Uh, the first thing that we have to do, and this applies to other weapons as well, the first thing that you have to do is you have to learn about it. You have to even know that it is. You have to, you have to uh, be able to not only know uh, that it is in the Bible or that there is the blood of Jesus, but that it actually can serve for destroying uh, the things that the enemy brings against our life. So we have to look actually into the Bible. 
about these things. You have to have teaching. And then, as well, another way that we can learn about spiritual weapons is through other people who use them and demonstrate them. And you think, oh, oh, that works. I remember when I was a little girl um, in, in uh, youth camp, kids camp or youth camp, and I remember uh, that we had a man that came. He was a missionary evangelist primarily to India. And his name is David Grant. And he's still alive. And I, he, uh, through the anointing uh, on his life, tremendously impact, impacted my life, as well as many of the kids that went to kids' camp, youth camp. And um, he told story after story after story about the power of the name of Jesus. And not only that, but he also told story after story about pow the power in the blood of Jesus to protect and to empower him to break through all kinds of um, uh, things that came against him through, di uh, through witchcraft. Well, you can imagine as, a, you know, just a, a teenager, 12, 13, 14, I was just like, really? Because there aren't mental or there aren't physical weapons that can, can uh, protect people against these kind of things. But there was the blood of Jesus. There was the name of Jesus. There is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I, so I grew up on stories of people using these weapons and them working to not only help and save their own life, but to help other people's lives as well. I believe in these weapons because of what the Bible says, and then I have seen the effect, the amazing effect of these weapons. So, uh, so you have to learn them. In learning them, you begin, as if, if it's based upon the Word of God and not just experience, but based upon the Word of God, you begin to have a, a believe and you, you have faith. And in, the, in that believing, you, you have a confidence to actually use them yourself. Now, I'd like you to look at Romans, the third chapter, and verse 25. It says, uh, we come to him. For mercy, for God has made provision for us to be forgiven. Now look at this last phrase. By faith in the sacred blood of Jesus. Now uh, let's look at another verse of Scripture. I want you to particularly notice and remember this verse of Scripture said, By faith in the blood of Jesus. Acts, the third chapter, is a story about Peter and John when they went to the gate called Beautiful, and there was a crippled man that had been there for years, and people had just gotten used to seeing him. He begged, and, uh, but this day, Peter and John went to the gate called Beautiful, or he went to the temple and went through that gate and saw him, and they said, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have, uh, we're going to give to you. In the name of Jesus. So they didn't dangle a charm bracelet and they didn't dangle a rabbit's foot. They used a real weapon. And they said, 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that man did. And they got in trouble for healing this man. And when they, uh, when they uh, were brought to task about it, they said, how did you do this? They were asked, how did you get this man up and well? This is what Peter said. He said, through faith in the name of Jesus, in Acts 3, 16, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. And so, what activates um, the name of Jesus or any of the weapons of our warfare that we are given uh, by God these weapons, but what activates them is faith. And faith begins through learning or through knowing the will of God, what God has to say about them. And so it is not, um, these things aren't just magic. They are not, as I said, not just charms. They work actually by faith. And so people who don't believe in them will never be bothered by them. If you don't believe that there is any power in the name of Jesus, it does not work for you because the name of Jesus works for people who believe in it. Just like this verse of Scripture says, through faith in the name. And the same thing goes with the blood of Jesus, through faith in the blood of Jesus. That's why we talk about these things so that you can know what God has to say and you can have faith in them and they can be activated in your life. There, was, there were seven uh, people, seven brothers, and their father was a man named Siva or Skiva, uh, and ever how you say it. And they saw that the apostles using the name of Jesus and power coming through the name to heal people and to deliver people. And uh, they thought, we're going to give this a go. Going to give it a go. There's no faith in that. We're just going to give it a go. And so they used it out on, on a demon-possessed man. And they, the demon talked out of that demon-possessed man, and they said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you guys? The demon-possessed man went manifest and went ballistic and jumped on all seven of those brothers and tore their clothes off, tore them up, and they ran out screaming. The name, they used the name, but they didn't use faith in the name. They dangled it like a rabbit foot. These weapons are real, and they are sacred but they are not just exclusive for some people, you know, that work their way up. They're used by faith. Children can use these weapons. Little kids can use these weapons. It's used by faith. And so faith comes by knowing the will of God. Now, uh, the third thing that we do is apply. So faith is begins where believing is concerned, but it also has to be cooperated with, acted upon by our action or words. And so we apply them. 
The fourth thing is trust. After we use a weapon, we use the name, or we use, we're talking today about the blood of Jesus, but we use the, the blood of Jesus, you believe it. You believe that it's working. And because you apply it to things in the spirit, in the realm of the spirit, you don't just look in the natural to find the effect. You believe that it is working, just like if a medicine is taken, it works, it begins working in the body. Once you apply the blood of Jesus, it goes to work, and you can trust. The fifth thing that we brought up last week and we want to mention again today is communion. Communion is one of the ways that you can, you can develop a consciousness and an awareness and a skill in using uh, this particular weapon. When I talk about communion, we're going to be uh, sharing communion in just a little bit. I'm talking about the bread and the wine, but I'm not only talking about the Lord's Supper. I'm also talking about communion with him. That is one of the ways that you can activate uh, these wonderful weapons is by communication with him because they work together with him. Now, I want to just address something that I've heard as a a question. It's come up um, to me, and I also have had the question myself. And that is the phrase that is heard sometimes among us in, uh, in church or in, as believers, especially Pentecostal believers, and that is the phrase, I plead the blood. Has anybody ever heard that phrase, I plead the blood? Um, if you've been around Pentecostal churches or circles, that is a, a phrase that you may have heard over, I heard that ever since I was a little kid. In fact, that is one of the phrases I heard from that, that uh, missionary evangelist that had hair-raising stories uh, from India, all kinds of stories. He would use that phrase. Well, then I thought about later because I would be studying the Word, and I could not find that in the Word. I could not find that phrase. And then other people would ask the question that I w- they have not ever found that in the Bible. So should we do something? Should we practice something? Should we say something that, um, it, and use that if it's not actually in the Bible? And so uh, the, the thought is, if I plead the blood of Jesus is used like a rabbit's foot or a charm, There's nothing in that. But the person who originally said that, and I don't even know who originally said it, but the stories of of, uh, experiencing the power of God through this, this weapon began a long, long, long time ago when people would, with this phrase, acknowledge the power in the blood of Jesus. Not just put that on there like a Band-Aid or something, but acknowledge the power in the blood of Jesus. So the way that I felt at peace to say it myself, rather than saying, I plead the blood, how I felt to say it is this, because this is what I am doing. I would say, I acknowledge, right now, I acknowledge the power in the blood of Jesus. 
I acknowledge what the blood of Jesus has secured for me. And I worship him along that line. I've done that in the car while I've been driving. I've, been do, I've done that a lot of times in prayer. I acknowledge the blood. I acknowledge the power in the blood. I acknowledge the work that the blood of Jesus secured. So don't get caught up on a particular phrase. Use the, use the blood of Jesus rather than backing off just because of a particular phrase that isn't actually found in the Bible. Uh, use the truth. Use the weapon. That is the key. Now, uh, I, if, go ahead and put this phrase up. By Jesus' blood, God did something about sin. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. He did something about sin. But keep going. And he did something about us. So the blood of Jesus that we acknowledge often, you know, when we're having communion and even, even other times as well, it's most commonly uh, acknowledged and appreciated that the blood of Jesus is for the cleansing and the forgiveness of sins. That is what secured our forgiveness. But he also did something about us and the effect of sin and the effect that it has had on our life. And so I, I'd li- I want to share a verse of Scripture with you, because I'm a, and then I want to go ahead and share um, a few other things that we can release faith and confidence when we use the blood of Jesus. The first thing is this, that in forgiveness and cleansing, it affects the mind. The cleansing also affects the mind. Go to Hebrews, the ninth chapter, and verse 14. Yes, we're cleansed of our sins. Yes, that we are are, um, forgiven of our sin. Praise the name of the Lord. Forgiveness has been bought and paid for, and we can receive it. It's always there for us. All forgiveness has already been paid for. We just receive it by faith. Hebrews 9.14 says, Yet how much more will the sacred blood of the Messiah thoroughly cleanse our consciences? For by the power of the eternal spirit, he has offered himself without spot to God, or offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice that now frees us from our dead works to worship and serve the living God. The dead works, uh, this... This verse of Scripture is within a letter written to Hebrew Christians, and the dead works can refer to just religious activity that they were doing, that they were putting their faith in those religious activities. That can be the dead works. But dead works can also speak of things that are wrong, things that are sin, things that are dead and don't produce life and are not glorifying to God. It says that that sacrifice frees us from that. Go up to the first phrase, because this is what we want to hone in on. The sacred blood of the Messiah thoroughly cleanses our conscience. So the blood not only cleanses our spirit, and, and we are recreated when we're born again, but the blood of Jesus also has power to cleanse our conscience. And what I mean by that is... When sin 
has already been cleansed from your life. Has anyone in this room remembered still what you did? Have you ever been tormented about what you did and you know that you would receive forgiveness? You know you've received forgiveness and yet you can still remember in full color what you did or what was done to you. Maybe somebody did something to you and you remember it. I spoke some, I spoke uh, this last week with a, a friend of mine in the States and of something that happened to her 23 years ago, some, something not good that happened to her 23 years ago. And in the conversation, she told me details. The details were so detailed that I was right with her where it was and when it was and how it happened. I could picture it because I could tell she was picturing it. Conscience. Can your conscience ever be free from the stain of sin? You know, an example that the Lord gave me that helped me, and we share this in one of the subjects of our, uh, in our Bible school, but it, it's not just for Bible school students. It's for everybody. It's for every child of God should know these things that in, you know, if you've washed a, a garment in the, in the washing machine, it comes out, it smells nice, and it looks nice, and yet right on the front there is, this, is a stain. So it doesn't stink anymore, but the stain is still there. Anybody wash a, a garment and you still came out with the stain? Mm-hmm. And so with this, when we're born again or the blood of Jesus, you know, cleanses us from all sin, and, um, and we, we come through clean, praise the Lord. We're righteous. But sin has the ability to stain the conscience and leave a mark on the conscience and on the memory. And it, it is the kind of a memory that, that torments. It's the kind of a memory that's not just a testimony, but it condemns and it attracts guilt and shame even years and years later. How do we get away from that? Well, after you, after you get your garment out of the washing and there is still this stain, what do you do? Do you just throw it away? Well, maybe not at first. You give it a go. There's products to get those stains out. Do you put the product on the whole garment? No. You take vanish or whatever it is kind of product it is that you choose and you apply it to that stain, don't you? And you rub it in sometime and you let it sit even sometime because it has the ability to remove something that is staining a clean garment. It's... It's the way the blood of Jesus works for us, too. We've been cleaned. But I'm talking about your conscience 
in the sight of God without stain, without fault, without guilt, but in your conscience and in your mind can be a stain. It's an interesting thing. If you know that you have a stain on, uh, on your clothes or something, you're aware that everybody else has probably uh, picked you out. They may not have even, but you're aware of it. If you, you had, you, you slopped spaghetti all the way down your front. It came through the wash, and now the shirt is clean, and somehow you got it back on again, and you look in the mirror, and you don't have enough time to change your clothes, and you've got four big spaghetti spots all the way down the front. Then you, if you're a girl, you put on jewelry there. No, it's what some people do, though. If there's, a, if there's some, a sense of stain in their mind, what we do is just try to cover it up with some kind of a mask or tr- some kind of a covering. But with the blood of Jesus and the ability of the blood to remove the consciousness of what you've done wrong or what's been done wrong to you, You don't have to put a facade on. You can just be bold. You can just be able to interact with people. There is no shame, nothing to hide anymore. It's gone. So the blood of Jesus has power to do that. I think the blood of Jesus for this purpose is so important for for mothers to know and helping their kids, for for men to know of things that try to stain their conscience and bear bear memories or sights in their mind. The blood of Jesus is empowered and effective to remove that. I remember the first time uh, in using this verse of Scripture, there was a particular thing that kept on popping up in my head. And it would pop up there at the most inopportune times when you needed to feel bold, when you needed to, to have confidence. This memory would do that, would come up. And I, the Lord showed me this verse of Scripture to use on my conscience. And I applied it. I just put it on that particular memory. You say, how did you put it on? I sang it on. <laughs> you know how you have a squirt bottle or maybe a, a, a toothbrush or something of some kind of uh, product to scrub it on? The greatest applicator that you and I have to apply is this thing right in the middle of our face, our mouth, and our tongue. You can apply these spiritual things from your heart with your mouth. And I'd sing, oh, the blood of Jesus. I wasn't just singing a song. I was applying it to something in my mind. Sometimes I would lay my head, my hand on my head. Oh, the blood of Jesus. And I didn't have to tell my husband what I was thinking or anybody else what I was thinking. I knew what I was thinking and what was in my consciousness. And I put the blood of Jesus right there. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. It removes 
It removes the memory of bad dreams. Oh, the blood of Jesus. I'm talking about real tools and weapons for us to use. What else does the blood of Jesus do? The blood of Jesus has power not only to forgive and to cleanse our sins and the stain of sin on our conscience, but it also has the ability to restore and to lift. Let's look at Hebrews, the 13th chapter, and verse 20 and 21. I love this verse. It says, Now may the God of peace... And I like that the, the God, uh, the aspect of God that is used here isn't now may the God of power or the God of might or, you know, that kind is the God of peace. Who brought again, and I'll tell you why in just a bit, who brought again from among the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, and how did he bring him up from the dead? By the blood. By the blood. And so God, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus came and dwelt among us. He took our sins. He, was, he uh, carried our sins. He was wounded for our sins chastised for our sins and died for our sins. But what was it that enabled God to raise him from the dead by the glory of, the God, of, of, of God the Father? And it is the blood. That perfect blood in him was able to bring Jesus back up from the dead. And I love this word, peace. It is not in, uh, in the Hebrew here because it's not in the Old Testament. But the Hebrew word for peace is uh, harmony. It's, of course, shalom. But it means harmony or wholeness or completeness, prosperity, welfare, welfare or tranquility. In other words, nothing broken, nothing missing. God is able, through the power of the blood, to bring everything full circle again. And where sin has made a gap, where sin has brought brokenness, where sin has brought deficiency, the blood is able to bring it all the way up. Believe it. Believe it. And I gave this verse of scripture this last uh, a couple weeks ago. I want to repeat it again. It's in Colossians 1.20. It's a powerful verse of scripture. By the blood of his Christ, of his cross, everything in heaven and on earth is brought back to himself. How God gets things back to himself is by the blood of Jesus, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. He does it by the blood. Now, let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.18, along this same line of being restored and, and lifted, brought up to God. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. Reconcile for 
Christians is a big word. But it's not a word that we commonly use unless you're, a, unless you're an accountant. And so sometimes the power and the weight of this word isn't really appreciated because we don't really use this word reconcile. But the meaning of this word is to reconcile hostile persons, to compose or settle a quarrel or dispute, and to bring into agreement or harmony or make compatible or consistent. The Bible says that as a result of sin, that all of us were enemies in our mind to God. We were enemies of God. You may, we may not have ever even known that we were enemies of God. You may not have hated God. But because, the Bible goes on to say it's because of our wicked works, or in other words, sin made this gap between us and God. And what Jesus came to do through his blood is to reconcile or to make peace or to make what used to be enemies at peace and harmony again. And so we're reconciled not only to God, but we're also, uh, we are recons- we've been given this message to tell people that they're reconciled to God too. God hasn't given us a message to tell people that they are horrible sinners and they're going to burn forever. God hasn't committed to us that ministry, at least not in the Bible. That's not given to us. What God has given to us is a message to tell them through the blood of Jesus, everything is right between them and God if they'll just accept it. They don't have to work their way up to get it. Jesus gave it to them through his blood. They don't have to earn God's acceptance. They don't have to earn his love. Aren't you glad we don't have to do that? But our message isn't to condemn people and put a burden on people. Our message is to help lift people and tell them that God made a way to make everything right between them and himself. What a wonderful message that is. Not only are we reconciled to God and reconciled, uh, given a message of reconciliation to other people, um, but we are also reconciled to one another. Through the blood of Jesus, differences between people can be reconciled. Hostility between people can be reconciled, which is amazing. I found this in Google about about connective tissue. You know, there's all different kind of connective tissue in our bodies, and uh, the bones are connective tissues. I don't know if you remember that old song, ankle bone connected to the shin bone, shin bone connected to... Okay, maybe you don't know that song. (laughs) I'm not going to teach it to you. (laughs) Okay, but another connective tissue that's in the body is, is actually the blood, even though it's a liquid. The blood is considered, if you'll put that up, blood is considered a connective tissue for two basic reasons. Let's jump down to the second reason. 
The blood connects the body systems together, bringing the needed oxygen, nutrients, hormones, and other signaling molecules and removing waste. The blood of Jesus is a connective tissue. So I love this. While we take communion and celebrate the fact that we can be forgiven, we can also utilize the truth of the blood of Jesus. It has the power to connect what cannot connect in itself. Think of a person that you just can't connect with. It seems like there is just no, it's like trying to mash two, two magnets together on the North Poles. Have you ever tried to do that? They won't go together. They just won't go. They almost repel one another. Do you know the blood of Jesus has the ability to remove the barriers between one another? We find, we find this in Ephesians, the second chapter, and verse 13. There were two groups of people, groups of people, not just individuals, groups of people that were completely irreconcilable. One group was the Jews, the other group was the Gentiles, anybody that's not a Gentile. And they were irreconcilable. God um, interacted with one group, and the other group, the Bible said they were far away from him, enemies of God, and were against him. The Jews actually saw the Gentiles as dogs. They didn't treat each other very good. There was a horrible division between them. But look what the blood of Jesus did to remove that. It says, now uh, look at you now. Everything is new. He's talking to, to Gentile people. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you've been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. How are we brought near to God? Through the blood of Jesus. If you ever feel far away, and I've heard people say that, I'm just going through a desert experience or a wilderness experience. I feel so far away from God. Use the blood. Don't just feel that way. We don't have to just go through and resign ourselves. Well, you know, you just go through that. You don't have to go through that. God has given us these wonderful tools and weapons in our new birth, to be able to use, use the blood. How do you use it? I sing about the blood a lot. And then I put my faith in the fact that the blood of Jesus has brought me near. I am not far away from God. I am united with him. Why? Because I'm such a wonderful person? Mm, no. I'm near because he made me near through that connective tissue, the blood. The sacred blood of Jesus. Keep reading here. You have actually been united to Christ. Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Ethnic hatred 
has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. I'm telling you what, that is such a powerful verse of scripture. I believe in these days, and that's why around the throne of what um, Andrew was talking about as they were singing around the throne, why there's every nation, every kindred, every tribe, and every tongue, and there's no, there's no barriers, no walls, no ethnic uh, evaluation, nothing like that at all. What did that? It's the blood of Jesus. What makes people one that grew up in different places and grew up in different cultures? What makes us literally one, not, oh, wouldn't that be nice? No, really, really one. It's the blood of Jesus has put us and brought us into the same place. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming one new race of humans, um, restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ through his crucifixion, hatred died. I love that. Through his crucifixion, hatred died. Today, as we take communion, when we're going to take communion in just a moment here, instead of utilizing uh, the body and the blood to, uh, to remember about our sins being forgiven, which we love to do. But the use of the blood uh, is so, so, so much. We're going, to pr- we're going to utilize the blood today in acknowledging the middle wall of partition between friends, the middle wall of partition between maybe spouses, middle wall of partition between family members. Middle wall of partition is broken down and that Jesus is the peace. I love this. Sometimes you don't have to agree with that person, but you can believe that instead of a wall of partition between you, that Jesus can be between you. Hallelujah. And practicing communion can put him there. You put him there instead of the offense. Praise the name of the Lord. Today as we take communion, uh, offense is going to dissolve. Can we believe that? We, we can believe that on the authority of the power of the blood of Jesus to dissolve offense, hostility, differences between groups of people or you and another group of people, whether they, whether they, whatever they think about you, you don't have to have offense to anybody. Today it goes. And we do that by the blood of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you ready to take communion? Go ahead and get your elements out. First hold the bread in your hand and let's pray over it. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your purpose and your plan to put every staining thing 
that we have ever done upon Jesus' precious body. And to put everything on Jesus' precious body that could be done to us. Every offensive word, every offensive deed, any abuse, mm -hmm, any betrayal. And I'm speaking these things out as they come up in my heart. Lies that have been told about you. Father, you laid all of that on Jesus so that we would not bear, have to bear the weight, the offense, the agony, and the weight of those things that have been done against us. Father, you also laid upon Jesus the wrongs that we've done to other people, failings that we have done where we could have done different and didn't. You laid that upon Jesus' precious body, and his body was literally broken with disappointment. Broken with our brokenness. Father, I believe in the purpose of Jesus' broken body to make it so that mine and my relationships and my wholeness can be real. I believe it, and I take it now. Go ahead and take. Say, I believe in what you did with Jesus' body for me. Okay, now we're going to the to the to the wine, which is his his blood. And let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your great plan that made the blood of Jesus, not only the sufficient price, but more abundant price of everything that my freedom would cost. And Father, today as we take communion, we believe in the power of the blood to break down walls between us and you, the power of the blood to break down walls between us and other people. We apply the blood of Jesus to offense and hurt and betrayal. That our lives are no longer confined and defined by the failings of others and the failings of ourselves. We believe in the power of the blood to break every wall and every barrier in Jesus' precious name. Go ahead and take it.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now it's at work. Go ahead and just worship him quietly because I tell you what I'm seeing. Supernaturally, there's some relationships that have been bitter. That your faith in the blood of Jesus is going to neutralize the acidic condition of that relationship. The blood of Jesus is going to tear down a wall where you're, every time you think of a person, you always see that wall. You see them with that offense. The blood of Jesus is dissolving the wall. It's dissolving the wall. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just put our hands up to the Lord and just thank him? I Oh, my, he is at work in where, in places you could not go, you could not do. He is doing a work. Thank you, Lord. Somebody is going to be able to sleep where you've not been able to sleep well. The blood of Jesus is removing things from your conscience. You're going to be able to sleep peacefully. Come back and tell us about it. Sleep patterns are going to change. Thank you, Lord. I see somebody that has struggled with spastic colon agony in your gut because of the power of the blood of Jesus to free you in your soul healed healed somebody somebody that has been dealing with anxiety in your eyes your heart will just race just race until you just feel like it's going to beat right out of your chest <laughs> the blood of Jesus helping you right now. No more anxiety. His perfect love, that crimson love is healing you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. One more time, let's just worship him. Worship him. go this week acknowledge the power of the blood use the power of the blood be free because that blood purchased you
and your freedom. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.